Hey guys, Kate here. Just before we kick off with the podcast, just a huge welcome and open invitation into the Women of Influence Facebook group. There's over 2,000 members in there and it's just a bit of a call out at the moment because if you'd love to nominate a woman of influence, someone that you know and love, someone that's got a great story, please just head to aceradio.com.au. You can nominate them there or you can do it in the group. You can directly chat with me about the podcast, about life in general, women that are inspiring you every day. We've got so many lessons that we can learn from them. So jump in that Facebook group and get in contact. Now, the other part is how you can support this podcast is simply by giving us a rating Ideally, it's five stars. You know, I don't want to push you or anything, but five stars is really, really good. And perhaps leaving a little review there. That helps us get the word out there that the Women of Influence podcast means business and we are all here to celebrate women. Enjoy this week's episode with Kirsty Lamb. She's absolutely incredible. You know, sometimes working in the media, we can tell lots of different stories and I can see lots of stories at the moment about AFLW, about the players fighting amongst each other, Kirsty tells a different story, really a quite a practical story about what's going on from her point of view. And I thank her for being so honest with us. Enjoy, guys, and we will catch you again next week. This is an Ace Radio podcast. A message from our partners. Do you know someone amazing? The Seven News Young Achiever Awards are now accepting nominations. Together with Ace Radio and the Women of Influence podcast, we're looking for outstanding young people who are making a difference. It could be through their studies, career, a sporting or arts achievement or volunteering. Share their story and help them receive recognition for their hard work. The awards are open to all Australians aged 29 or younger. To get started on your nomination, head to youngachieverawards.com. You could be nominated the next Young Achiever of the Year. Welcome to Women of Influence. Australia is home to some remarkable women. They're raising foster families, running cattle stations, living inspirational lives. Yet many of their tales of triumph are never profiled, never celebrated. So we're changing all that every week through our Women of Influence podcast. This episode, we feature Kirsty Lamb. My physicality, I guess, I'm I'm sure as how I'm not the tallest and I'm definitely not the quickest. Um, so I guess the only thing I've really got going for me is um, the, the toughness in and under. Um, and that's what I've sort of, or I've always been that, that player, um, particularly even when I played boys footy, um, playing midfield my whole life. Um, I guess that's just sort of how I've grown up and particularly when you have to play against boys, um, you've got to learn to be pretty tough or, or you'll, uh, you'll find yourself um, not playing footy. This is Kirsty's story and I'm your host, Kate Mead. Kirsty Lamb is an Australian rules footballer, a tough midfielder for the Western Bulldogs in the AFL Women's Competition. She previously played for the Melbourne Renegades in the Women's Big Bash League and currently works for Cricket Australia. Kirsty, you are a woman of influence. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Cricket ball or football? Which one if you had to choose? Uh, at the moment, definitely football. <laughs> talk to me definitely. about, I always say talk to me about because I. this is all about the stories. When you were growing up, was it a cricket ball or a football or was it just trying to find someone to play with? Um, growing up was 
was both. Um, I grew up playing both sports, um, basketball and netball. Um, so I was a pretty sporty kid. And then as I sort of got a little bit older, I had to kick a few sports out. And um, But no, it was footy and cricket um, for the majority of my, my childhood until I was about 16. Yeah. And where, whereabouts did you grow up, Kirsty? Um, out in Yarrabah, a little town just um, out, I guess most people know Greensboro, but a little bit further than Greensboro. So yeah, a little town called Yarrabah. And did you have some really good little girlfriends that were into the sport as much as you were or were you mainly hanging out with the boys? No, nah, I was definitely a tomboy at heart. Um, I, as I said, I played footy and cricket and I played both of them with, with boys. Um, I never played um, any of them with another girl in my team. Um, so, yeah, I was definitely the only girl for a lot of that, that time. It's not a bad thing, though, is it, really? I mean, the boys kind of toughen you up a bit and, and you learn, you know, the skills just along with them and you get on with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wouldn't have had my my childhood or my, um, I guess, my pathway into footy and cricket any other way. Um, I absolutely loved playing with the boys. Um, I had no issues with it. I was pretty shattered when I got to that age where I got sort of kicked out essentially of of, um, playing boys footy. Um, And I sort of, I hated that in a sense because I felt like I belonged there. Um, So yeah, I absolutely loved it and I wouldn't have changed it. Can we have a bit of a chat about uh, regional areas and pathways? Because, you know, on one hand, you can say, oh, it's it's hard for the regional kids trying to find and, and um, live up to and get through like the city kids do. But regional Victoria, regional Australia have a long history of players coming through. So what did your pathway actually look like to where you're getting to now? Yeah, it was obviously the, the pathways that are around now are, are much, much better than obviously what I had when, when I was growing up. Um, so, I mean, when I was, was there, um, there wasn't any really women's teams. Um, from the age of 14, when I could no longer play boys footy, um, I went and played open women's football um, at Diamond Creek at the age of sort of 15. And that was because that was all that there was. That was all that was around and it was open age. Um, and then there was a there was a youth girls competition, which is now flourishing. Um, that was only very, like, very new. It was in its infancy. And um, I played uh, a couple of years, or was it one year at, at youth girls level um but I was playing youth girls and open because I just found that I sort of fitted in open age a little bit better the skill was uh, was was better than sort of what the the underage stuff was so it was very very new um yeah when I was about 15 and um there wasn't a heap of girls teams out there um but now at my my, back at my junior club at Yarrambat they've got three or four um girls only teams um from all ages so it's grown massively um, in the space of the last four or five years um, and there's numerous opportunities now for girls and the pathway system um, is phenomenal. They play um, you know, junior footy like exactly the same as the boys do and then they've got obviously their um, representative stuff. Um, they've got TAC Cup pathways and then obviously into AFLW. So the pathways now um, are phenomenal for, for girls. There's heaps of opportunities out there. Kirsty, thinking about when you were told that you could no longer play with the boys, that that was kind of it, and knowing that it could, you might never get the chance or things didn't exist, we had Susan Alberti on the podcast just a few weeks ago, and she described attending a luncheon with the big wigs of the AFL and the whole bit and making a decision then and there on the spot to write a check out to basically bankroll AFLW and to get it going, no more delays, just 
just make it happen. Can you remember that announcement or, you know, this is actually real, I can, I'm going to have a shot here to be able to play AFLW as a professional footballer? Um, not that exact instance from Susan, um, but I certainly do remember um, the announcement of the AFL are going to introduce an, an AFLW um, competition. And in at that sort of stage, I was in an interesting position with cricket where I, I wasn't wasn't loving the game and so for me I saw it as quite a, a nice little opener to um, potentially have a, have a good think about whether I'd make a move back to um, to footy and the fact that the AFL brought it forward um, a few years was suited me very very nicely because um, it, it meant that my transition from cricket to footy was um, there and then and I didn't have to wait for that um, so yeah I certainly do remember that there was quite a, a lot of media around at that stage and um, everyone was was pretty excited and um, yeah very thankful that the AFL brought it forward. If people are just hearing about you for the first time, I mean, you—I mean, it's incredible. You've been able to play at an elite level, two of Australia's favourite sports in cricket, and now moving forward into the football. When did that whisper happen for you, or was it a coach somewhere along the line that actually said, "You know what, Kirsty, you've got the potential. It's time for you to commit." Um, no, nah, it, was, it was definitely a personal sort of choice. Um, I guess, as I said, I was in a very interesting space with cricket and I um, I could see there's obviously a, there was a pathway um, for cricket to, to play for Australia. That was always my goal. Um, and I sort of wasn't getting picked a lot at cricket. So actually the year that the, the draft happened in 2016, I, I made the decision to – I had a tough decision. It was either play a season of footy and try and get drafted or – you know, knuckle down and really focus on my cricket. And I chose the the cricket option and I actually went to the UK to play a summer of, of cricket over there to just play 12 months of cricket and um, get some confidence back in, in my game. And so it was quite a big decision for me to to not play footy, particularly in the year that the, the first draft was happening. So I played I only played five games and I spent three months um, living the good life in the UK playing, playing cricket um, over there. So mine was, I guess, a, a different story to, to most that would have played like a whole season of um, club or VFL football at that time. But, um, yeah, I actually made the choice to go to the UK instead. Um, and thankfully, um, I'd played footy, you know, in previous years um, during our winter, which meant that I sort of had somebody, it was actually uh, Mick Sandry, who's the list manager at the Bulldogs, um, knew of me. And it was him that um, put my name up to, to Paul Groves um, during that trade period. Um, so, yeah, thankful for, for those two for throwing my name in the, in the hat and thankfully got picked up. I think I got picked up in the last round in, of the, the draft in um, yeah the first year. You've been described as brute strength and tenacity as a player. They're the words that come up around you what or how do you describe yourself as a player oh god that's a great question um yeah I'd probably oh, I don't really know probably just my physicality I guess I'm I'm sure as how I'm not the tallest and I'm definitely not the quickest um so I guess the only thing I've really got going for me is um the, the toughness in and under um and that's what I've sort of or I've always been that that player um particularly even when I played boys footy um playing midfield my whole life um I guess that's just sort of how I've grown up and particularly when you have to play against 
went to boys, um, you've got to learn to be pretty tough or, or you'll uh, you'll find yourself um, not playing footy. So, yeah, I guess that's just from a, a background growing up playing against um, boys. I, I just sort of learnt it through there and um, carried that trait, I guess, my, my whole way through. Do you feel like that's a bit of a, a superpower or a secret weapon that you've ha- had or got? I mean, I mean, to identify, to say, okay, I'm not the tallest, I'm not the quickest, but I'm going to beat them when it comes to strength. Is that something, an internal dialogue that you've had to have um no not really I guess that's just my my I guess my my own understanding of my own game um there's plenty of girls in AFLW who are very very similar to me and um I guess my thing that I have to work on the most is building other parts of my game um obviously yeah I'm I got that sort of not a stigma but that name of being tough essentially but um that that will only get me so far I believe in the AFLW so I've certainly got a bit of work uh, ahead of me to to build some other qualities. Now 2020 looking forward to um AFLW we're going to see 14 teams all up West Coast have got a team Richmond Gold Coast and St Kilda what's it like being a player and seeing all the teams come in are you just going this is nothing but a good thing keep keep pushing forward like this this is what we want um yeah certainly i mean obviously we've got a competition um that's flourishing at the moment um and obviously we, we want to have as many girls in, involved as possible um i think the afl have come out and obviously added um a lot of teams quite quickly um but it looks like hopefully that's going to settle over the next couple of years and just allow the talent to come through the the, the pathway system that there is now and um hopefully moving forward from from this year onwards we we have a really good um high quality game of footy and um certainly one that people want to watch so how do we balance all of this out so i'm a punter right so i want to go along and i want to see Athletes, I want to see women playing full games of football. I want to see them playing a full season. At the moment, we're about seven rounds. We're looking at maybe introducing more rounds as it gets going. We're expecting you, I, as a punter, I'm expecting you to play just like a professional athlete. But, I mean, you work full-time, Cricket Australia full-time. You've got your side gig. You're a masseuse on the side. How are you balancing out having those expectations to play as a professional professional athlete and work full time so I gig on the side how do how does this work yeah it's a it's pretty hectic life um I guess the the first thing that I have sort of working on my side is um yeah working at the Australian Cricketers Association um is a a players association themselves um so they understand what it's like to um try and juggle a a full-time job um and being a a semi-professional athlete um so I, I guess having Having a workplace that understands that um, makes your life a lot easier as a a player Um, and it certainly removes that stress or that feeling of guilt if you've got to, um, you know, work less hours than other people. So I'm very lucky to have them um, on my side and allow me to pursue a career as well as um, a sporting career as well. Um, But I guess it's just, it's something that I've grown up with my entire life. I went through it with cricket um, when we weren't full-time athletes um, and the pay was based on the hours that you did um, and it wasn't a full-time salary. So I guess I've been in a perspective where I've seen it, um, how it's changed in a cricket landscape. And obviously um, the Australian women are now paid full time. The the um the state players are are getting that way. Um, depending on 
who they are and how much they earn. Some of them are full-time, um, and I can certainly see that happening with footy. Um, it's it's a, it's a process. Um, I don't think these things happen with a click of a finger, and they don't happen over a year. Um, with cricket, it, it took five or six years um, to become full-time, and that was for the Australian women, and there's only 14 of them that are, are contracted, whereas obviously with AFL, um, yes, the goal is to be full-time, and um, that we would all love that to, to be this year. Um, but we've got to remember that there's over 300 of us now um, all striving to, to be full-time athletes. And, yeah, it's a process. It's going to take time. As Like I said, I, I'd love for it to be full-time this year. and But, unfortunately, we're just at a stage where that's that's not going to happen. Um, and it, it may not be this year. It may not be five years. It may be ten years, um, I guess. We'll have to wait and see um, how good our game can be and, and how much um, how much broadcast and all and sponsorships and fans and all these little things that all add up to a bigger picture um we'll have to wait and see when when we become full-time but i can certainly see it it happening in the, the near future is there a collective feeling that the work that you're doing and when i say work i mean not just playing the game but the championing of the game the encouragement to get more people involved in the sport like you guys are custodians for the the future of the game like the next the next group of girls women that are coming through so there's that understanding that you know it might not be perfect at the moment but we're working on it for you yeah, absolutely. And again, like if I put my, my cricket hat on, um, we were always, from the, the moment you walked into, particularly from a Victorian perspective, it was always um, to respect those who have, who have come before you that um, have definitely had it worse than what you have. Um, and so I certainly have, from my opinion, I have that perspective um, with footy that, you know, I don't want to grow our game too quickly to the point where um, we're asking for a heap of things really, really quickly. I believe that it, it's our job to set it up for, for the future for the five-year-old girl or the 10-year-old girl that's playing her first year of footy this year that in eight years time when she's 18 and she can walk into the AFLW that it's a really solid um, setup it's a, it's a game that um, people watch and it inspires that young generation to, to come through and, and be athletes. So I certainly believe that um, the girls who are in the AFLW at the moment, um, we, you know, we've got a role to play to, to try and set up um, this game for, for the long-term future and, and make it a spectacle. Is the biggest challenge for an AFLW player right now about the money or is it about, like every other AFL footballer, male or female, being fit, being injury-free, you know, just being ready to play? Like what's the biggest challenge for you at the moment? Um, I guess it's just that continuing to have that work-life balance. Um, obviously, we're, we're not professional athletes. And um, from my perspective, my career outside of footy is um, just as important, if not more important than my footy career purely on the basis that, you know, footy, I, I might, I've got a two-year contract, luckily enough. And, you know, at the end of that two years, my football career could potentially be done. Um, so, I mean, I've got to, I'm under the understanding that I need to set myself up um, for life without footy um, should that ever not continue like I'm not going to be able to play footy for my entire life although I'd bloody love to mm -hmm. um, it's just not going to happen so um, I think the whole work-life balance is certainly something um, to again from a cricket perspective I've grown up playing cricket um, not getting paid a whole lot um, so although I'd love to be a full-time athlete um, I'm certainly under the understanding that it may not happen um, at my time while I'm playing football um, but I can certainly again see it happening for 
a kid who walks into the system in who knows, mate, whether it be five years or ten years time, that um, we do have a, a program where potentially we play everybody once or potentially the season's longer or potentially you, you get paid full time. You lace up the boots, you pull up your socks, you have the last little bit of adjustments. What's it like running out? Because I will never experience this, Kirsty. What is it like running out onto the field on your first professional AFLW game? Uh, yeah, I can rem- remember it like it was yesterday, to be honest. Um, I remember us running out for warm-up at Witten Oval um, and it was pretty much almost full. It was a Saturday night and um, people were, were yelling and just cheering and we kind of just looked at each other, all of us, and we are just like, what is going on? So many people here. Um, and the fact that you can hear little girls sort of yelling out um, players' names because um, they've got, you know, familiar names, Ali Blackburn, um, you know, Blackers, can I have a photo? Blackers, can I have an autograph? Or, or things like that. You um, you sort of sit back and you go, fire out, this is pretty cool. Um, I've never sort of witnessed anything in like it. And, yeah, obviously to run out through the banner, that first, uh, first home game, was an unbelievable feeling and like I said I can remember it like it was yesterday and um, the crowd was amazing we loved playing at Witten Oval um, we have an amazing support crew behind us the club do a, an amazing job with, with setting up the Oval so that there's plenty of activities and things for kids so um, yeah I absolutely love playing at Witten Oval and I can't wait to, to get stuck into it again next year Take me into the rooms what's the chatter in there before those those moments because there's other moments you know even playing in the grand final those moments what's the talk about out in the room? Um, I guess it's all about um, riding the wave. So whether, you, whether it be in the grand final or your first game, whatever it might be, um, you've got to ride the emotions. And, and I'm a relatively emotional person. And um, I was just, from personal perspective, I was just like, I'm just going to enjoy every minute of it. Um, I'm going to make sure I, I do have a look around and I do see the crowd and, um, you know, take take note of my surroundings. I think if you sort of put the blinkers on and you try and avoid everything, you actually forget the moment that you're in. Um, so I'm very much about, um, you know, I, I love having a good joke. I love having a sing. I'm generally head of um, music before the game. So I've got particular songs that we play at particular times during our warm-up because um, I know they, they get the girls up and about. So, um, yeah, I'm all about um, being relaxed. I'm, I'm a pretty relaxed person, have a bit of a laugh, have a sing. Um, but, yeah, as soon as you cross that line, game face comes on and um, all that matters for the next hour and 20 minutes is, is getting that football. You've got me now. What is your go-to pump-up song? Uh, this year it was um, Giants. That was the main warm-up song um, that we, we went through. Um, we had a little bit of Island in the, um, Islands in the Stream. We had a bit of Whitney Houston. Um, we had all sorts of stuff, a bit of um, a bit Akadaka. So there was a few things that were, were rolling out, um, but the girls all contribute a song, and um, as the preseason goes on, we cut the songs back into to the ones that are the favourite, and we've got a list of about 20 that sort of goes for the whole of, whole of warm-up. And... Um, yeah, that's sort of our playlist. That's how it, how it comes about. Love it. I love it. Kirsty, what does then a challenge look for, look like for you? Um, things, you know, we've got we've had a really nice story so far, but what about when it's tough? What it, what does it look like when you're not getting selected for cricket and you still want to play? Or what does it look like when it, everything's not going quite as you planned? Yeah, it it shows a bit of 
bit of character, I think. It, it, um, it really tells you what people are like, particularly in the, the hard times. It's all good and well to be winning and have smiles on your faces. But, um, yeah, I guess it shows a little bit about who you are and, and what sort of a club you, you're at um, based on, um, you know, if you are losing, who, who puts their hand up. And um, particularly through, from a cricket perspective, um, it was yeah, it was hard work when you know you're going to be running drinks for the entire season. Um, I just sort of put my hat on to be the, the best Gatorade maker that there was. Um, but, yeah, from transitioning into footy to them playing, um, it really, I really feel for, for the girls that, that don't get picked. Obviously, you know, we've got squads of 30 and we only, at the end of the day, eight people are going to miss out. Um, and I guess it's our job is those that, do get to put the jumper on um, is to represent that jumper as best as possible and make those girls who aren't playing um, proud and um, leave no stone unturned out on the footy field. And, um, yeah, I guess it's just making sure that we get around them and we're doing everything that we can to um, give them the best chance possible to, to get picked the following week. Kirsty, the jumper, putting on the jumper and being acutely aware by the, by the sound of it of the ones that are missing out, what do the girls mean to you? Um, yeah, it's like one big family. Um, although we've got our um, immediate family, you've you've pretty much got thirty other sisters plus staff as well. We forget how important um, your support staff are, and there's there'd be twenty to thirty of, of them as well. Um, so I mean, we're very privileged to, to wear um, the Bulldogs jumper. There's obviously a great history from the Bulldogs perspective, um, even in the, the men's system, and um, all of that history has been you know delivered and, and handed down to us girls. So it makes you that little bit extra. Powerful passionate to, to pull on that jumper and um, yeah I absolutely love it and um, I'm pretty proud to, to say that I'm a Bulldogs player and um, yeah I absolutely love our club and the people that are in it. Have you had any of the legends or the even current players from just the AFL from the men's league come in and have a chat to you and what do they say? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've I've got an extremely close relationship with with Rowan Smith um, and he he's my kicking coach and um Certainly, from his perspective, he's obviously been uh, been at the Bulldogs from day dot and continues in, in his coaching role there. And um, he certainly has passed on plenty of um, knowledge to me. And um, we're pretty lucky to have um, some good people within our club, like your Bob Murphys or your Chris Grants and um, you know, Eastern Woods, people like that who um, who genuinely have a, a big interest in women's football. And um, there's we're certainly at a stage at the, the Bulldogs where you walk past in the cafe or in the gym um, with the boys and the coaches down there and um, everybody says g'day people stop to have a chat um, so there's certainly no there is definitely no stigma at our club around oh boys are boys and girls are girls it's very much um, one club and um, everybody knows what everybody's doing when your pre-season starts when your game starts um, so it is it is a great club to, to be at and um, yeah I thoroughly enjoy having plenty of conversations with um, plenty of the men's Kirsty, if you could Speak to a young 14-year-old Kirsty, or I'm guessing she was about 14 when she was told that she couldn't play football anymore with the boys. What would you tell her? Great question. Um, follow your dreams, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess I'm sort of one that likes to push boundaries um, and see how sort of far I can get with with different things. So, um, yeah, open don't well, one of the biggest things I've always been taught, and this is from my parents, is um, don't close any doors. Leave as many of them open as you can because you just don't know where they're going to lead you one day. And so, yeah, that's, I guess that's what I would say to myself. Um, take the opportunities that come your way. Don't close any doors. And, um, 
yeah, be willing to sort of push boundaries and, and get as far as you can. What's the one thing that we can do for you today? I mean, we can see that there's a little bit of a battle going on with trying to get some um, wages increased. We can see that we're getting more teams involved. We can see that we're wanting to get rounds increased from the seven rounds to more. Um, what can we do as punters to support our players now? Yeah, I mean, I guess one thing that it is is just, um, you know, be willing to be patient, um, certainly during this period of time. Um, there's certainly um, obviously a bit of a stigma that there's a battle going on and um, certainly from my perspective there isn't. It's, it's healthy conversations to, to have. Everybody wants... Uh, women's football to, to grow and, and be, you know, a sustainable program um, and, you know, a good spectacle for those um, watching us. So I guess we just got to be be patient. Um, we, as players, we, we will get something um, sorted with between the AFLPA and, and the AFL and, um it may not be everything that everybody wants at this point in time, but as I've said, it, it's a process. Um, as long as we get out there, the things that we want, and we can continually see those ticking off as the years go on. Um, that's all you can can ask for. And I guess as punters, um, we just need people to be be watching our games. Uh, we hope we're we're providing a spectacle for you to watch. And the more people we have watching our games, the, the more sustainable it'll be. Kirsty, I got to meet you at the Variety AFL luncheon, a charity event at Crown Casino. There was a great big group of table of uh, AFLW players you got up. I could tell that you are, you know, an Aussie larrikin just out there for a little bit of a bit of fun. You're enjoying all of this other side of it, the public life as well now, like you're becoming known within you're going places and people saying, hey, Kirsty, can we get the selfie? Can we, are you coping with all of this side of it too? Um, yeah, look, I'm not I'm not massive on the, the socials, um, and I'm certainly not big on um, I guess the media aspect. I've, that's something that I've certainly um, got to continue to, to get better at and and grow. Um, I absolutely love the the variety um, luncheon. I've got um, I'd have a couple of charities that I, I try and get involved in, um, and I absolutely love trying to find a way to, to give back to the community or, or those that are potentially less fortunate than than what we are. We're very lucky and privileged to be able to do what we do. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind it. Um, as I said, I don't do a heap of media and um, it's certainly something that I'll, um, I guess, I've taken my time with learning how it all works. Um, I sort of didn't want to jump straight into it and not fail at it, but just not be very good at it. So I've certainly taken my time with um, understanding how that's, that side of the world works. And um, yeah, I'm absolutely loving my, my time in the AFLW and um, yeah, look forward to, I guess, getting my name out there a little bit more as the years go on. And to the mother or the daughter that is listening to you today, what advice are you giving them? Oh, just let them let the kids, you know, do do what they want. If they want to try footy, I know. I guess footy with the the toughness and the tackling and the bumping and all that sort of stuff can certainly um, turn people away. I guess because it is quite physical compared to say a netball. But until you try it, you don't know. You might be pleasantly surprised with um, how your child or a sister or um, even a mum might go with with it. Um, it's a it's a bloody good sport. Um, there's plenty of people out there playing it. It's super fun. You get to, to meet new people there's certainly a social side of of football that's brilliant um so yeah if they've got even a slight inkling that they might want to try it give it a go because you, you don't know what doors it's going to open um and it might be the best decision you've made 
Kirsty, can I tell you, I'm 37 and I thought I'd go and have a bit of a run. Thought I was doing okay about four weeks in and did my Achilles. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, no, I'm sure you met some good people through that, that four-week period. I'm telling you that, so I live in regional Victoria and I am telling you that that meeting the girls, meeting the women, the community that has just exploded around it, it was around the fun. And make no mistake, I mean, they were there to win and they got their premiership in the end but you know it might be a little bit I might have missed my run but I can still be there as a runner or the water boy or sometimes I take out the oranges there's plenty of ways well, to get it. involved right that 100% if you, you're not playing there's certainly ways that you can can be involved in a, in a footy club and that's the best thing like I've still with Diamond Creek you know I haven't played for Diamond Creek for three or four years but I'll tell you what I've got some good relationships with people from there and even people from Yarrambat I still go back my parents still live in Yarrambat and I still go back and see how the girls teams are, are going and um yeah it's it's a great it's a great part of, of life is getting involved in some sport it doesn't have to be footy it can be any sport and um yeah just meeting people and, and creating relationships Kirsty, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast you are a woman of influence and i suppose we better say um a big thank you to cricket australia the, the association there for just allowing you to take some time out to have a chat to us today <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, they're brilliant. Um, so I'm very lucky to, to work at the ACA and, um, yeah, they're, they're brilliant. So I'm, I'm lucky to have a workplace that allows me to do things like this. <laughs> Absolutely. Me too, by the way. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Kirsty, thank you so much. No, no worries. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Women of Influence is a podcast for Ace Radio.